Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises to manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Weiss. Hey, guys. How you doing, Tim? How you doing today? Good, Lou. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. Uh, we're pleased to have everyone back to uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio. Hello to all of our listeners. Before we get into today's guest, I'd like to have Lou give us a uh, postscript from uh, the show two weeks ago. Lou? Uh, thank you. Uh, two weeks ago, we had uh, Brad Holcomb from uh, ISM, the Institute of Supply Management, on the show. He was uh, going over the ISM uh, report on business and uh, reported the uh, numbers uh, for uh, January. Um, To give you a little background, uh, the overall number for November near the end of the year last year was 57.0. December's 56.5, and January was a uh, bit of a shocker at 51.3. It was a pretty significant uh, drop. Not necessarily a decline. All that means is that uh, we are just slowing, uh, growing slower. So we're still ahead of that uh, 50.0 number, and uh, we're hopeful that uh, after the uh, Thanksgiving, December, January, new budget money coming about, that uh, uh, February is going to be a more impressive number. Uh, The... uh, PMI number that they that they come out with is actually the purchasing managers index number, which is uh, reported uh, throughout the media in the United States, and uh, they also have uh, the PMI number for almost uh, eighty-five to a hundred countries around the world that the Institute Supply Management supplies their methodology and analysis, and other countries are using that. So. When looking uh, perhaps on the Internet and Googling, you can see how other countries are doing uh, as well. Um, so, therefore, uh, just, uh, reco- just remember that we are growing slower, not going backwards. <laughs> Tim, take it away. <laughs> Thanks, Lou. We're pleased today to have Chris Rollo as our guest. He's vice president at TD Bank. For those of you who might not be familiar with the history, and Chris will give us a little bit more, TD Bank is Toronto Dominion. And because I have some familiarity with the banking industry, Toronto Dominion is one of a handful of banks they refer to as prime banks, which means they've got a really great balance sheet. He's here today to talk about a lot of uh, information that will be valuable to small and mid-sized businesses and their banking relationships. Chris, how are you today? How are you, Lou? Glad to be on your show. Great. Glad to have you. Chris, uh, give us an overview of uh, TD Bank, Uh, some history, some who they are, where they are, where they're growing. Absolutely. Uh, TD Bank, and the TD stands for Toronto Dominion, is a 150-year-old bank, uh, and the Canadians... um, decided to uh, to move south into the United States several years back and through a series of acquisitions um, 
TD Bank in the United States came about to be, and we are about 1,300 stores strong uh, up and down the east coast of the United States, and we are a full services bank, as Lou said, very, very financially strong, and I am in the uh, commercial lending regional banking area where we specialize in providing full spectrum of banking services to primarily family-owned businesses in size anywhere from uh, 10 to $50 billion in sales. Great, great. Um, let's talk about uh, kind of the banking in general. Uh, you know, there's there's a – I don't know if it's a myth or a reality. Chris, you're, you're here to kind of uh, design that for us. Are banks lending? We are, uh, and as a matter of fact, my boss this morning was uh, going over uh, what loans I have in the pipeline. Um, I think there has been a, um, you know, a general pervasive theme through the last several years, and by the last several, I mean let's say starting in 2008 uh, when the economy uh, kind of fell off the cliff, and. At that time, the uh, subprime debt crisis was unwinding. Uh, we were not part of it uh, directly, but I think it caused a an increase in regulatory scrutiny of banks and also uh, an impact on the capital of a lot of banks, which impeded ability and willingness to lend. So that, that definitely has been out there in the landscape. Uh, the flip side of the coin is that in general, particularly a lot of the family businesses that we deal with. Um, manufacturing as a sector experienced the decline in revenues so uh, and profitability, uh, so it made it harder uh, in, in general for banks to to extend credit when the uh, the cash flows and the ability to repay were perhaps more strained than in normalized times. Um, I think that we are seeing, in general, some slow rebound amongst the uh, the operating companies, and there is a little more flexibility, I would say, in totality uh, in the London environment. So while there is still uh, probably a little more challenge than there were, was in uh, the early 2000s, I think uh, I think slowly but surely things are uh, are moving in the right direction. Chris, uh, being that we're we're talking a lot about the East Coast uh, as uh, a primary market for you, um, and I presume you're talking about from Maine to Florida. Yes. Uh, the markets that you're go you're going into, and I know that you're into real estate and uh, wealth development and so on and so forth. In terms of manufacturing, what industries, in, in broad paint strokes, is uh, TD Bank uh, interested in? Uh, you know, for the sake of our listeners, uh, I'd like them to see whether TD Bank is a good potential for them as a lending resource. Absolutely. Uh, traditional manufacturing is always high on the list. Um, metal manufacturing, any any sort of tool and die shops, and we still have some here in Connecticut, forging operations, a lot of uh, construction sector. We seem to be uh, seeing more on the biotech side. Uh, certainly here in Connecticut, and I am talking, you know, more uh, refined scope, but here in Connecticut we have uh, general links to aerospace, defense industries, uh, hence uh, any of the subs that are providing parts to those industries. 
become prime targets for us. Well, that's great, Chris. Uh, now, banks are lending. The manufacturing industry uh, needs uh, uh, cash for operations. What are the best practices for approaching a bank for financing, Chris? What should they be prepared to provide you? Absolutely. Great question. Banks in general will look uh, with focus to the historical financial statements, and that would be uh, looking at, say, three to five years of fiscal year-end financial statements. With family-owned businesses, it also becomes important to, uh, to know that the principals will stand behind the loan. That's less so from a, a credit enhancement standpoint, more so from a, um, you know, a cooperation and standing behind the loan perspective. I think what we also are putting a lot of, uh, of thought process and emphasis into is we are in somewhat of an upcycle. So backlogs, confirmed backlogs, build-out shipping schedules, realistic pro formas become very important um, because more times than not, we are looking at uh, needing to buy into heightened levels of sales and operating assets and supporting that cycle. So uh, the other the other uh, key component becomes uh, getting comfortable with the inventory and the receivables that are uh, either being uh, distributed, supplied, or produced. The character of the ownership becomes very important to us, and being able to be comfortable with the financial reporting. Uh, Chris, I have an add-on to that uh, question, and I think we might be breaking here for a commercial uh, in just uh, a moment or so. So we'll give you the question and uh, think about it during uh, during the break. And, Absolutely. Uh, the question being, uh, you were talking about commercial loans. Um, how about asset-based lending for the uh, companies that aren't quite as strong as uh, the companies that you just uh, were describing. Um, how does asset-based lending uh, fit into your market? And not Great question. Um, asset-based lending is an adjunct to uh, mainstream commercial lending and is an area where we have a, a pretty good-sized presence. Typically, and, and generically as an industry, the size transactions can be anywhere from million dollars up to into the hundreds of millions, but we particularly target, say, 10 to $50 million in loan size. Uh, and and where asset-based lending differs somewhat from commercial lending is that the companies are typically somewhat storied, be it that there were a few years of losses and that they're on the rebound, making an aggressive acquisition. Something is happening where the the earnings have been thin and or choppy, and the primary source of repayment flips to the receivables and the inventory, the quality and quantity of them, and uh, the ability to convert them to cash. And really, the credit takes on uh, a structuring known as revolving credit, where it would expand and contract in conjunction with those operating assets. And it's a great uh, great uh, structure if one is trying to build out or grow a backlog uh, because as the sales and the assets expand so does the credit facility 
Uh, Chris, there was a uh, email that just got, came in a moment ago, and it's uh, Bob from uh, Minneapolis, and he's asking. Uh, I don't know why Minneapolis, in view of the fact that uh, your market is on the East Coast, but it's good information for our other listeners. He's asking about how uh, TD Bank compared to your uh, competitive uh, banking. Um, how, how much more lenient or how much more stringent are you, either on the commercial lending side and or the asset-based lending side? I would say as a bank, in terms of credit profile, we are middle of the road uh, with a tendency toward a little more conservative. Uh, we compete based on the level of service we provide. Uh, and uh, we are very competitive as far as pricing. With respect to asset-based lending, uh, any bank is, is a regulated institution, and therefore the risk profile uh, that a bank asset-based lending shop will, uh, will endure is, is less than that of a non-bank commercial finance uh, operation. Chris, I want to talk, touch on two areas. You've touched on backlog a couple of times, and when we talk with Brad Holcomb of the Institute of Supply Management, that's one of the areas that they track on a regular basis is what is happening to backlog in the manufacturing industry. I know in uh, All Metals and Forge Group in Lou's company, they always look at their backlog to see what they have in the pipeline. Um, apparently that's pretty important for the lender. Can you give us an idea of what you're looking at for backlog? Absolutely. It, to us, it's a prognosis for success and viability. Um, if, if a company is fundamentally not deviating from its mission, uh, we, we can look to the historical financials and get comfortable with the predictability of the gross margin. And then it really, the backlog is, is adding substantiation to whatever projections. And obviously, the loan is going to get paid from future profits. So revenue and margin maintenance become key considerations. So we look at backlog. We look to uh, prior comparable orders for uh, correlation and margin. And again, trying to make the best estimates of what the future prospects hold for the company. Okay, and in terms of TD Bank, I know you handle revolving credit, equipment, real estate loans, acquisition financing, uh, international letters of credit, export finance, cash management. Any of those in particular where you where you feel you're particularly strong and can help the small to middle, uh, mid-sized enterprises? I think we are very geared to family-owned uh, businesses. I think there are a few other areas worth noting and it kind of goes back to our first question of how is the how is the perceived gap being bridged with respect to our bank we do a lot through the small business uh, uh, SBA uh, programs and uh, rather than um, go into a lot of detail on exactly what those programs are there are some very good websites uh, the small business administration 7a program and the Small Business Administration 504 program. And the essence of these programs are to be able to do transactions which a, the bank could otherwise not do, but the, uh, the full faith and credit of the United States government is being added into the equation in some capacity, uh, which allows us to, to do the transactions and take on the relationships. So. 
that is one area. Another area where we have developed specialization and it's an area I think for manufacturing and distribution in general that is growing is the uh, the, the opportunity to export product. Uh, we are active with the XM Bank. Uh, again, it's, uh, it's providing full faith and credit of the U.S. government so that we can lend on uh, against receivables from foreign account debtors. Those are typically not permissible for borrowings uh, at many banks. So just becomes another tool, another avenue. So before we break for a commercial, I just want to get uh, one more quick answer out of you, Chris. Uh, sure. Because there may be a general uh, misunderstanding that you're a bank, you're federally regulated, and the people who do uh, asset-based lending or uh, factoring fall into a different category. So in terms of a bank, and its ability to lend. Give us just kind of a quick snapshot of what restrictions you have, what you have to meet to satisfy your federal regulators. Absolutely. The key driver in any bank loan is the proven cash flow of the company. In other words, the earning capacity has to be more than sufficient to repay the debt. That becomes the primary driver. Secondary drivers are the, uh, the the capabilities of management, the second way out, collateral adequacy. That okay. primarily the uh, the asset test, if you will, on any uh, on any bank loan. Okay, and we are going to uh, slip out here for a couple of quick commercials, and then we'll be back to Manufacturing Talk Radio with Chris Rollo of TD Bank in just a few moments. the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries and a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit axpgold.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at axpgold.com. And while we're at it, let's give a shout-out to our sponsor, All Metals and Forge Group. They're your best source for open-die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless, and tool steels, nickel, aluminum, titanium, copper, you name it, they can do it. Just go to steelforge.com and send us your request for quote. That's steelforge.com. All right, back to our discussion of TD banking with Tim and Lou. Hey, guys. Hey, hello. Chris, how you doing? Chris, just to, because we're uh, kind of moving back and forth on subjects here, um, I want to go back to this uh, factoring. That's an area that I'm not sure every small business really understands, and, and you can probably speak to it a little bit, and then I, I want to have uh, Lou speak to it a little bit. He's very familiar with it. So, Chris, give us an idea of, of uh, factoring, if you would, please. Absolutely. It, it is not a product in the basket provided at TD Bank, but I am uh, very familiar with it, and I think it is a fantastic tool for small business owners to avail themselves of quick financing, uh, albeit more more expensive uh, than typical bank rates and, you know, should 
maybe be looked at in terms of a transitional bridge. Uh, the essence of factoring, and probably the easiest uh, way to illustrate it, is um, a retailer, anybody who goes into the store and uses a MasterCard, fundamentally that that retailer has essentially factored their sale. In other words, the cash is remitted from MasterCard to the retailer, and let's say the invoice of the purchase price was $100, the retailer would get from MasterCard like $99. In other words, they paid one point, but they got the cash. Uh, apply that to a distributor or to a manufacturing company. Uh, factors will lend to companies that are actually losing money because what they are doing is actually buying the invoice uh, from the the company and looking at the creditworthiness of the ultimate uh, obligor on that invoice. Okay, and Lou, you're you're quite experienced with uh, with factoring. Give me some feedback. Give our listeners some feedback on your experience with factoring. Good, bad, indifferent. Well, over the course of uh, almost 40 years of uh, operating uh, our business, uh, we've gone through, uh, as most businesses, we've gone through ups and downs and, uh, with, you know, good times and bad. Uh, we have had uh, standard uh, commercial lending uh, opportunities, uh, and we've also uh, and are presently right now using uh, a factoring uh, loan basis. Uh, and we find it um, in many ways uh, – Sorry, Chris. In many ways, it's uh, easier to deal uh, with a, uh, quote-unquote, a factor than a bank. And obviously, all of the uh, requirements in terms of documentation and uh, three to five years of uh, profitability and so on is not an issue that your typical uh, factor and or uh, purchase order uh, financing uh, vendor uh, would require. So we've had um, and continue to have a very good uh, long-term relationship uh, presently with a factor uh, who we've been with uh, uh, probably the last uh, eight or nine years. Uh, once you get past uh, uh, paying a, a bit of a higher rate, um, the method of our dealing with them has become very uh, uh, easy and very um, um convenient for us. So uh, that's uh, that's been our experience for, the, like I said, the last eight, nine years. Tim? Oh, great. Uh, Lou, I think that's excellent. Uh, a question for you, Chris, because I know this popped up in our own heads when we heard TD Bank, uh, and I think of Sam Waterson, who uh, is the actor who does the TD Ameribank, Ameritrade ads. Right. Is, is same animal, different animal, uh, an extension of you? It is an extension of us. Uh, the TD Ameritrade is uh, is part of our group of uh, divisions and departments and specializations. You will see with TD Bank a very strong retail network and a very extensive uh, set of skills and specialties in wealth management. I'm pleased to hear you say that uh, your bank, TD Bank, really is geared towards the uh, the family-owned business. That's unusual, I think, in the banking industry where most of the banks are after larger corporate clients and don't cater so much to 
essentially what amounts to probably 80 or 85% of the manufacturing base out there. Well, you know, it's interesting that um, the growth comes from the family-owned businesses, I think. Uh, when the economy starts to rebound, inevitably the job growth is with the smaller companies. Uh, and as a matter of fact, in Connecticut, we even have uh, a shortage in highly skilled manufacturing uh, employees, uh, albeit manufacturing is still soft. We, while we are a large bank, we are run on a statewide basis, state to state, and we, we really like this uh, the space of, uh, of of companies with revenue sizes, as I say, uh, anywhere from, and we even go smaller than ten, uh, than ten million in revenue size, but ten to fifty is 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 the arena in which I uh, have devoted my whole career. Okay, and and in terms of Lou's comment that sometimes they find factors easier to deal with than than banks, uh, what's your kind of reaction to that, if you would? Uh, it does not surprise me. I, I have heard that. Um, I have heard that uh, many times, and I understand why. In general, factory, factoring companies are fairly small, very entrepreneurial, and again, the ultimate credit decision is is really on large companies, uh, sometimes publicly traded companies. The trade-off for the quick response and um, ease uh, with 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 process is it is more expensive but i think it's again i think it's a great tool and as a matter of fact if if there is an opportunity where i'm not able to do the deal or commence the relationship i will work with liaisons uh, that i have in the finance community um and have have absolutely no problem uh, working with them and a factor to bridge them until they become bankable. So again, just another tool out there. Banks are just but one form of uh, of obtaining financing. There are a lot of specialty houses out there, a lot of different non-bank sources of capital. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. The factoring and or purchase order financing organizations, they're not quite as controlled by the government uh, auditors and government agencies as much as uh, official banks. Is that true? You are, you are spot on, Lou. Absolutely true. Um, they're, they're not beholden to regulators, and uh, that allows them increased levels of flexibility and risk appetite. Makes you feel like you're dealing with your uncle rather than Uncle Sam. (laughs) Question for you, Chris. It seems to me that you had mentioned when we were chatting on the phone that you also have some tie-ins with, if I get this right, the economic development authorities in the various states. Is that right? Uh, Well, I can speak to Connecticut in particular, and yes, most states will have economic development arms either as part of the state or as a quasi-agency, and the major goals of these economic uh, agencies, obviously, is job retention, job growth, attracting companies, and sometimes that comes in the form of either outright direct loans uh, at bank-type rates or partnering up with the banks and providing what one would consider the riskier element of of a loan, by way of example, perhaps 
the component of a total financing package being provided by them is uh, thinner on collateral than that which the bank uh, provides. But again, just another great way uh, to see about uh, p putting financing together on a uh, on a lower rate basis than uh, than perhaps going with a factor or private equity or mezzanine uh, finance. And what uh, for the folks who are li listening is mezzanine financing. Uh, mezzanine financing typically uh, provided by privately owned companies, be it private equity where they actually take equity positions. They also make uh, mezzanine loans or other various private organizations. They're going to lend in secondary collateral position or even unsecured to a company wherein they will be patient, more patient than the bank as far as the duration for repayment, but their compensation comes in the form of a higher coupon on the loan and higher expectations as far as return. Okay, and you have also brought up, uh, Chris, some interesting financing techniques embedded in the supply chain model. Uh, advanced payments, discount for prompt payments, etc. Can you touch on those a little bit for us? Oh, absolutely. I, I find in the supply chain that there are key customers, key suppliers, uh, long-standing relationships, and sometimes uh, some of the players have more capital and sometimes uh, less. So I, I have seen trade-offs with uh, perhaps margin and in exchange for a little less margin. Uh, a customer will provide a down payment or an advance payment, uh, will agree to faster payment uh, on an open account, all of which are geared to, uh, to getting cash in for working capital as quickly as possible. Flip side, I have seen vendors that are willing to grant what I call datings. In other words, instead of the invoice being due in 30 days, it's due in 90 days. And by so doing, it allows the middleman to ship his, the product and collect the receivable and with cash in hand, pay the payable. You know, anything that will speed the inflow of cash and delay the outflow of cash, because at the end of the day, that's all revolving credit does is bridges that gap. And I see Lou making some notes over here to my left. Uh, Lou, you've got a, a question or a, an email question for Chris? There was a email that just came in, and uh, it's from Eric uh, from North Carolina. As a aerospace manufacturer in North Carolina, with the increase in aerospace business, uh, I'm finding that I need to uh, participate in some loan activity. Uh, I have a lot of equipment. Um, what my question is, uh, typically, what does a lender, a bank lender, uh, extend on equipment? Uh, Great question, Lou, and uh, it's not a uh, an easy answer. What goes into an equipment uh, loan, be it new or used, is valuing, and typically it gets done with an independent uh, equipment uh, appraisal. In some cases, such as TD Bank, where we do a lot of equipment lending, we have uh, a specialty area that will not only value the equipment in its current 
uh, at its current market and uh, and auction values, but also look at the depreciating or wasting life uh, of that equipment. And maybe an easy example is look at a car and how it goes down in book value each year. The basic structuring will be an advance against the equipment at some discount factor. Um, and again, depending on the type of equipment, for new equipment, 80% is, is, is pretty safe bet. Used equipment, a little bit lighter than that. Um, there is, through equipment leasing, opportunity to perhaps uh, get a little bit higher advance than those advance rates. And typically, the structure and the repayment is, is governed by two factors, one being the uh, wasting life of that asset and two being the, the cash flow of the company. To this, uh, to this question, certainly the equipment that uh, is uh, unencumbered, owned outright, can be leveraged to get liquidity into the working capital cycle. But I would say in conjunction with that, don't rule out uh, revolving credit because it sounds like there is uh, a sales uh, and increased investment in product and uh, conversion of that product to cash. So I would I would take a dual approach to the uh, to the need. Chris, uh, while you were responding to that, we just received another email that is uh, similar in concept, and I'd like to run it by you. And this is from Smitty in Georgia. With interest rates still at historic lows, is this a good time for manufacturers to look ahead at the growth needs and investment in new machinery now? even though sales are still not back where they were before the Great Recession, or should we continue to hunker down and wait to invest until we're sure of uh, the present economic uh, direction? Uh, Chris? Boy, that's a tough question. It's <laughs> a good um, question. I, I, I think it's a great question, and um, I think any sort of investment has some entrepreneurial risk. What I, uh, what, what I would say is... Uh, one has to develop a, a reasonable confidence level with uh, the backlog um, and the sustainability thereof. I, I will also look at uh, and, and advice of my clients, if you are spending an inordinate amount of time on maintenance and repairs of, of dated equipment, and you also factor in the disruption and downtime, uh, sometimes it is cost-justified to, to buy that new piece. Or if it's a technological advance in that new piece where the efficiencies and the savings are embedded, you got that makes for those factors make for much easier purchase decisions. Uh, another another area to consider is entering into uh, leases, perhaps shorter in duration than the full life of the equipment, but with purchase options. So no easy answer, but certainly uh, certainly a variety of options to consider. I know, Chris, uh, at uh, some get-togethers I've been to recently, I've asked some of my friends who are uh, exceptionally wealthy what they're doing in the in the current economic condition and their response so far has been that they're buying gold bullets so that they have a dual purpose and hunkering down what do you see or what does td bank see going into the future of 2014 i'm sure you've done economic studies on it uh, what's the bank see chris 
Well, we see slow, moderate growth. We see the inventory of idle housing coming down. We're starting to see, at least in the East Coast, uh, some uptick in the housing market, albeit it's not strong yet, but we are getting uh, some price appreciation, some increase from very, very low levels in new housing starts. Um, I can tell you on the consumer side, large purchases are coming back. Um, Several auto dealerships that I do business with year over year, new car sales up 25%. We are seeing some levels of optimism. There is also a lot of money out there parked on the sidelines, cautiously waiting. I am seeing some of that money coming in to, uh, to uh, fund acquisitions of companies. We are seeing some merger and acquisition uh, activity heating up again. Uh, again, slow, moderate uh, pace on all these activity levels. Don't see rates going gangbuster. I do not see uh, the economy uh, improving rapidly you know, over the next year or so. Does TD Bank do any uh, economic projections, Chris? Do they do they look at the GDP and say, hmm, we think GDP is going to be a one point or a two point something for 2014? We have uh, very extensive economic research that gets done, um, provided to lenders. We uh, we are fairly liberal about uh, sharing some of that with uh, our good clients. Um, and again, I think you know what I'm summing up pretty much echoes the sentiment of our economists. Well, it sounds like, and we're going to take a commercial break here uh, in a few minutes. That you know, as we listen to uh, Brad Holcomb from the Institute of Supply Management, and we uh, we hear from you. Uh, and we're hearing from uh, Thomas Dent. We've had a chance to have them on the show. That 2014 is kind of projected to be a uh, uh, kind of a quiet growth year. No one's talking 4% growth. Uh, maybe it's a 1.7 to a 2.4. Um, Lou, how do you see it? Is it about the same way? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not jumping uh, jumping through hoops. Um, I'm hoping that uh, the 14 continues uh, on that slow growth path. Um, I'm hopeful that uh, traditionally, uh, you know, the year of the presidential election is when everybody starts breaking loose with uh, bucks and pulling out the, the money from the deep pockets and uh, start spending some money. Um, if that's the case, uh, we're talking about a two- to three-year slow upward tick and uh that's fine as far as i'm concerned uh better than 2008 for sure lou i agree with you and and the other thing is i think that uh provided that uh, the growth doesn't overheat i see inflation staying fairly low i see interest rates and uh, uh being uh, being being pretty low which i think going back to your gentleman's question about should i invest in equipment you know important consideration Great. Let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with Manufacturing Talk Radio. Do you want a free analysis of your inbound marketing? Do you want it in 30 seconds or less? Then check out Marketing Grader, the free marketing tool from HubSpot. It's simple. Just go to marketinggrader.com, enter the URL that you want to analyze, and Marketing Grader will instantly give you a detailed report grading your lead generation, mobile marketing, social media, competitive benchmarking, and more. It's simple, it's powerful, and it's free. Marketinggrader.com. And if you're looking for any steel forge needs, you can check out All Metals and Forge Group, an ISO 9001 and AS9100 registered company. 
providing manufacturing and industrial companies with quick price and delivery quotes and clean quality forgings for their parts. Anything from aircraft engines and landing gears to gear blanks and downhole shafts, hubs or subs, you name it, they do it. Go to steelforge.com or send us your request for quote for any open die forgings or seamless rolled rings anywhere from 20 pounds to over 80,000 pounds. Check it out today, steelforge.com. All right, let's go back uh, to uh, Tim and Lou and their guests as they look into their crystal ball in the last 10 minutes or so here and uh, and give us an analysis of where the country's going here. Uh, well, we sure seem to have a lot of interest uh, coming in over the emails, and I have a, another one here, and I want to make sure that I get it in before the end of the show. Uh, Chris, um, uh, Bob from Marietta, Georgia, has uh, asked for... How do we get in contact with your folks? Uh, do you have a URL address? Um, is there a general email address that uh, folks can uh, communicate uh, with uh, TD Bank? Chris? Well, certainly uh, on the commercial side, um, if uh, if folks want to send me an email at christopher.rollo at td.com, if uh, if they are in the local market, I will gladly uh, personally handle them. But um, in the case of Georgia, for example, I would uh, I would get them in contact with the closest uh, branch and uh, and or uh, a loan officer. So again, uh, our branch network of 1,500 branches or so, uh, all those branch managers have liaisons in the commercial lending area, and we all operate no silos at TD Bank. We all operate rate as a, as a team. Uh, just as a point of information, um, being that Christopher and Rollo are spelled, spelled so many different ways, could you humor me and give us the spelling of uh, your email address? Absolutely, Lou. It's C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R dot R-A-L-L-O at td.com. You'll probably be flooded by the morning. That works for uh, me. <laughs> uh, Tim? Well, it looks like uh, we've covered some great ground here. Chris, is there anything that you feel that we we may have left out? I know that we've had some uh, conversations by phone uh, last week, and we had an opportunity to get some great insight from you. Uh, is there any particular topic you want to talk about uh, in our wrap-up here that we may not have touched on, Chris? You know, actually, while we were paused for commercial break, I did think of uh, of one item, and and it kind of relates back to when we were talking about how does uh, how does a, a, an operator speed their cash flow, and one area where we see increased uh, usage is Merchant Mastercards and. Many times uh, I've seen, you know, for the discount that the uh, that the servicer is paying, they're getting their uh, their cash in and in much quicker. And uh, depending on the nature of their client base, it works, I think, particularly well with uh, smaller invoices, where uh, wherein all the credit risk is basically eliminated by going uh, the Merchant Mastercard route. Uh, I have seen that as well. I know that uh, All Metals and Forge Group takes credit cards, and I'm I'm often surprised when I talk to Lou 
the size of a transaction that'll pop up on a credit card. Lou, what's your experience there? Uh, we've had uh, close to $100,000 charges on our uh, Master and Visa card. Uh, American Express seems to be um, uh, a little bit more expensive, and uh, Visa and MasterCard uh, um, seem to give that kind of credit to uh, manufacturing companies. So we do actually quite a bit, and uh, you know it's good for us. It's good for the uh, our client who uh, doesn't have another source of uh, financing, and we get our money in a matter of a few days instead of a few months. So uh, we, we find it probably the best. Uh, Best of all avenues. Yeah, I think unless you're operating on razor-thin margins, that a couple of percentage points weighed against the lost opportunity cost of money waiting two, three months to get your money is probably a, a great advantage, Chris. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, and the other advantage, and again, I, I, I go to the smaller invoices um, where they're non-verifiable uh, account debtors, maybe new uh, new business opportunities for a company, all the credit risk has been eliminated. And so yeah, it's not just a, uh, a time delay, it's also an elimination of uh, of credit risk because as we all know, uh, you know one hit can really wipe out uh, a lot of effort on uh, on new business. Yeah, it's very true. One hit can take your uh, your margins down significantly and uh, really hurt your profits. Lou, uh, we've uh, been chatting back and forth for uh, uh, many, many weeks now. And uh, is there anything in particular on this subject before we wrap up here that you want to share with our listening audience? Uh, I pretty much uh, touched on uh, the topics that have come through the emails and, and the points that uh, Chris has uh, brought up. Um, we do uh, actually, the way our company is going right now, it's very likely that we will ultimately get to more traditional uh, uh, banking uh, relations. Uh, even though we uh, we do like uh, borrowing money from our uncle, uh, Uncle Sam uh, needs our money too. And uh, we have no problem with him uh, in that regard. Uh, not to get, not to get political. Uh, uh, so that uh, that pretty much wraps up uh, my thought on that, uh, Tim. Great, and Chris, I I want to thank you for all of the great information you've been able to share with our listeners today. I think it helps take some of the mystery out of banking, if you will. Uh, I know there's always a concerned by the business owner. Can I really do business with a bank? Should I even bother talking to a bank? Uh, I would suggest to them that it's always worth a conversation with your banker, uh, particularly, you know, dealing with TD Bank where they can steer you and help you develop relationships with other resources. So we want to thank you for being a guest on our show today. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you very much, Lou. Uh, it was uh, certainly a pleasure and, uh, as you can tell, I have a passion for this business, so to the extent I can help any of your uh, your constituency, please let me know. Uh, again, thank you, uh, Chris. Uh, we appreciate you being on the show. And uh, um, again, by the number of emails that we had coming in, it uh, seems as though you've struck a chord with uh, uh, quite a bit of the manufacturers that we're dealing with. Fantastic. So thank you much. Well, it's been a great show. Uh, we have another show coming up on, uh, it looks like it's going to be Tuesday, March 4th, with Brad Holcomb, who will give us an update on the ISM number. 
Uh, as we know, one month does not a trend make. And in talking with Brad on the uh, last show that he was on, uh, actually every month is kind of evaluated from the bottom up. So that 51.3 was just kind of a 30-day indicator. Um, Lou, what uh, what's your sense of what's going on here? I wanted to point out that uh, to those of you who have tuned in late or uh, and, and not at all, you can go to manufacturing talkradio.com and you can listen to the entire show uh, we'll probably have the this version and this show loaded by 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and uh, we have uh, month, uh, shows that go back to October and uh, you'll find it most interesting and uh, send in your uh, comments to us uh, we'd like to hear from our listeners uh, perhaps about other uh, potential uh, guests or or topics that uh, are addressing your particular uh, businesses. So uh, thank you again, Chris and uh, Tim. Yes, uh, Lou, you bring up an interesting point. If any of you are listening and feel you'd like to be a guest on our show, please send us an email so that we can become familiar with you and see what you can bring to uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio, which pretty much wraps up our show for today. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises to manufacture here in America. Manufacturing Talk Radio. With your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Rice. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.